This is an original branded podcast from GTM Creative Strategies. What if we could see into the future? It never stops. They're telling people to stay indoors. In 2020, we got our clearest glimpse yet. This is what a total lockdown looks like in the center of the coronavirus epidemic in Italy. This is Bergamo, the dead center. Last March, following China's lead, lockdowns swept across Europe, forcing an eerie silence on some of the world's most iconic and bustling cities. We were not to, to leave our homes unless it was, it was absolutely essential. Many businesses were shut down, um, industries it, it, to a large extent ground to a halt. That's Tom Haggerty, a principal analyst at Wood Mackenzie. He's based in Edinburgh, Scotland, and, like so many other people, months later, still working from his home. So all of this meant that we saw a very significant reduction in electricity demand. And as Tom hunkered down, the future he saw wasn't just apocalyptic. It was actually the clean energy transition playing out in real time. During the spring and summer of 2020, lockdowns caused huge drops in energy demand across Europe. And that forced thermal power plants to ramp down or stop operating. Dispatchable sources of generation, particularly coal and gas, were, were the ones that really felt the hit. Renewables, wind and solar have, have not stopped operating. They haven't stopped growing even during the pandemic. Suddenly, renewables dominated the electricity mix across Europe, allowing analysts to see levels of variable resources not expected for years. I caught up with Tom in December of 2020 to discuss what this tells us about how the grid will evolve. An enormous amount, I would say. So how much of this is short-term pain and how much of it is going to last? Yeah, that's that's a, a big uncertainty. Um, and I think, you know, we, we did see that as lockdowns were eased, you know, as we moved into the second half of the summer and into perhaps September, early October, the, the power demand did return to close to its normal levels. You know, we've seen the level of um, supply met by renewables has, has increased very significantly during 2020. Um, and that causes all sorts of knock-on effects to the requirement for flexible electricity supply. It, it impacts on the dynamics of electricity pricing as well. Um, and all of that has really provided us a bit of a glimpse of the future. So although I think demand will return, um, it has returned somewhat through the course of the second half of this year. Um, we, we certainly hope that as vaccines become more widely available, um, economic activity will return closer to normal during 2021 um, and, and electricity demand will grow as well. Certainly the some of the impacts that we saw during 2020 around what you can see in the European market when the penetration of renewables is extremely high. I think those are going to return and going to return on a much more regular basis, probably three to five years from now. So you say that we have a glimpse into the future. How far into the future are we seeing right now? If we think about Germany, um, Germany um, was seeing 130% of its of its demand on the system being met by renewables at points during the first part of 2020. And that's much more significant than we had seen um, on a sustained basis at, at any point in the past. Um, so I think this is really a, a kind of level of renewable supply that we wouldn't have expected to see probably for at least five years 
And we've seen far more negative electricity prices during the first part of 2020. Um, we've seen you know, a much greater requirement for very flexible supply on the system as well. Um, and these are all features of the market that we expect to become much more common as, um, as the electricity market decarbonizes, as the share of uh, volatile or variable renewable energy becomes um, much greater um, as we look out beyond probably, well, towards the end of the 2020s and into the early 2030s. What does it tell us about the ability of the European grid to handle this much variable renewable energy? Does it provide any clarity about questions about um, managing that that flexibility? Well, I suppose the first point is that, um, you know, the system managed the, the, this change. Um, we didn't see any significant issues with outages um, in the European market during 2020. The flexibility requirement was, was very much greater than we would normally expect. Um, the system operated as, as it should have done. Um, so that provides some, uh, some comfort, I suppose, that as we see these kinds of um, uh, situations um, in terms of the level of uh, supply from renewables um, on a much more regular basis, that, that the European system should be able to, to cope with that. I suppose one caveat would be, um, as we, we try and move towards fully decarbonized power markets, what we saw during the first part of 2020 was a very significant reliance um, during certain periods on the flexibility that, that is offered by fossil fuel plants. So I suppose if we look at, to a future where we want to see fully decarbonized uh, a fully decarbonized or close to fully decarbonized power system, what we need to start thinking about is how we can uh, replace um, or, or reduce our reliance on some of those kind of pretty inefficient um, uh, gas-based, uh, for the most part, um, fast ramp-up, um, flexible sources of supply. And what other sources of supply are going to be able to, to offer that kind of uh, same level of flexibility um, but but without the the carbon impact that those that the sources of supply have, so I suppose to summarise that the system copes everything operated as it should have done. However, we're still very reliant on some of those uh, flexible gas assets in Europe. We're not at a stage yet where we can operate with that level of renewable supply um, on a fully decarbonised basis. Well, Tom, thanks for helping walk us through it. Appreciate your time. No, delighted to be here. Thanks very much for having me. The COVID crisis proved the European grid can handle large amounts of renewable energy at levels we didn't expect for another five or 10 years. So how do we take this knowledge and game out the future? For more answers, we turn to Jyrki Leino. We, we saw the systems in a situation where it in normal conditions would be in, in five or 10 years time. Jyrki is a senior manager of business development at Wurzilla. He's been modeling power systems for the past 10 years, trying to understand what's next in energy. In the spring and summer of 2020, Yerki saw the same thing Tom did, dropping demand, surging renewables, and new demands on the system. We, we wanted to start to collect the data and, and put it in a format that it's easier to understand, easy to digest. And, and then, actually, you start to do your analysis. Then you start to understand, actually, what are the real impacts. Yerki and his team at Vertzilla wanted to help answer a simple question. What happens to European power markets if the trends we saw during COVID persist? And what happens if renewables are meeting nearly all load? So they built an open data test environment called the Verzilla Energy Transition Lab, or WET Lab. It's like a fact-based choose-your-own-adventure for energy geeks, or a crystal ball. It's available for everyone. 
and, and everyone can do their own analysis and look at the, all the data, what is actually available. And it, it kind of creates everyone to be an analyst who wants to be. Yerke's own team uses the wet lab to run some what-if scenarios. What will happen to prices? What will happen to grid utilization? How much clean, flexible generation or battery storage will we need to support such high levels of renewables? And that's what we spoke to him about. When, when we did that what-if analysis for, for Germany, for example, it was interesting to see that, of course, it had an impact on the German electricity prices. But also there was an impact in, in Spain and even in Portugal. When you start to have more renewables, which means that the, the, that capacity comes to the market with zero price, because there is actually no cost to produce any wind and solar. And if that capacity is available any hour enough, it means that it pushes down the, the market price. Because there are in, in France, for example, this huge amount of nuclear, and it means then that the that capacity, which, which cannot be shut down, is, is uh, bidding in to the market with, with negative prices. And that's why actually the market price can go even negative. And that's already something that we have seen in, 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 in some times. And it, that those phenomenon have, have increased now when pandemic had, have, have hit. What about energy storage? Do you imagine the pandemic and the resulting market changes having an influence on the way storage is integrated and used on European grids? Absolutely. And it's, it's already, uh, it's, it's again, again coming back to this, what I said about the price volatility and ne- even negative prices. Then, of course, batteries are playing a big role there and they have a good opportunities to make some money because you can charge your battery actually and somebody is actually paying for, paying for you for that one. And then, then you can discharge when, when the price is... Uh, Uh, positive or high enough. So to summarize, it sounds like the turmoil or shifts in the market after the pandemic were disruptive, but often disruptive in good ways if we think about the clean energy transition. That's true. But but still, of course, you you would need to do good good decisions today. And I think it's now a golden opportunity to to do those decisions. Uh, And it has been a nice test lab as well to see actually what kind of capacity can cope with this uh, higher amount of renewables. And what we saw is that the coal actually is not good, good match. And that's why the coal production is, was, was down uh, last spring, for example, when the demand went down. What's the most surprising thing that you've learned since you started looking at the data aggregated in the lab? The most interesting thing when we started was the to understand that actually how linked the whole European power market is. So doing something in Germany impacts something happening in Portugal. But the interesting thing is that it is uh, so interconnected, actually, that it's, it's uh, something you do in a one country. It, have, it has an impact on, on what happens in, the, in some other country. And it's some, sometimes it's something that you don't even can know beforehand when you do do your modeling. So you're the person with all the numbers. You're spending a lot of time, you know, really focused on what the numbers are telling you. What is your prediction or assessment on what the future of power systems look like? It will vary based on country and region, of course. But in general, what do you think that the overall power mix is going to look like? 
in, in regions around the world within the decade? Within a decade, the power systems would go uh, even more for renewables. Of course, it depends on, on the country you are, what kind of conditions there are for for wind and solar. Uh, that will happen and then uh, the inflexible capacity will phase out because there are no economical uh, possibility for them to be online. Uh, but at the same time, when this, this transition is ongoing, you would need to, to think about how to balance that wind and solar in your system. And, and then it requires more flexible assets. So it's very clear that the clean energy transition is well underway. And how did COVID-19 impact development in Western Europe and accelerate that clean energy transition? Yeah, it's uh, very, uh, I would say, crucial now that when governments are putting money to, to recover the, the economics in, in, in different countries, that it's taken seriously that how, how important it is to put the money in the, in the correct places in order to boost this uh, green future. So how are policymakers or utilities or power plant operators looking at this data and trying to figure out what kind of decisions to make? Are you hearing from these folks about how to read this data and understand what the future might bring? Yeah, this is an actually interesting question because I think some bigger utilities, they, they have a good understanding and they do their own modeling and uh, they do their decision based on fact-based, uh, or they do the modeling and uh, it's based on facts what they do. But then there are a lot of smaller utilities, for example, here in Finland, uh, not maybe uh, playing and uh, or participating in the power markets, but, but, but the, there are these heat district heating companies, smaller utilities, which actually don't have those kind of capabilities at all. So they, they are doing the, their investment decisions and the future planning, not that much based on facts and, and this kind of modeling. And how about uh, investors or, or other renewable energy power plant operators? Are they thinking about using this data or asking you questions, or do you hope that they'll use it in a certain way? I don't know if how much we wish and hope to happen because what we want to do is to bring this information available to everyone. So we want people to do their own analysis and uh, uh, understand where the world is going. And of course, because we all know today already that the, the cheapest way to produce electricity is, is in many places wind and solar. So we are kind of uh, accelerating or uh, helping CO2 reduction in the world. Yirki, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Stephen. You've been listening to an episode produced by GTM Creative Strategies in collaboration with Vertzilla. Vertzilla creates smart, flexible power technologies to enable a cleaner grid and put the world on a path to 100% renewable energy. They're helping clients worldwide meet their clean energy goals in an efficient and cost-effective way. Check out Vertzilla's Energy Transition Lab to see the impact of COVID-19 on energy markets and for clues about Europe's clean energy transition. It's an open-source data set that anyone can use. Just follow the link in the show notes. And thanks a lot for listening.